Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... I've actually seen him perform before, but he is literally, I think, the tallest storyteller I've ever met. Give it up for Simon Heseltine! Hello, everybody. So... By now, you've probably already realized, if you've not heard me speak before, that I've got a little bit of an accent. And you're probably starting to think, where's that from? Because it doesn't sound quite Norfolk. Is it maybe Chesapeake, Richmond? It's actually a little bit further away than that. It, it, It is, of course, from England. And I grew up in the county of Derbyshire, which was very close to Manchester. I went to school in Cheshire, and I used to work in Lancashire for a few years, so I was kind of covering most of the north. But what's the most important one is where I was born, and that's Yorkshire. And that's what I have on my T-shirt here, the map of Britain with Yorkshire on it. For those on the podcast, just imagine it. And the great thing about Yorkshire, it used to be Britain's biggest county till the government split it up. Everyone from Yorkshire has a great sense of identity. In the 70s, there was actually a movement for Yorkshire to secede from Britain. Didn't happen, but they they really do have this great sense of identity. And that comes about from when you think about somebody from Yorkshire, there, there are several main attributes that you think of. The first one is that we're all stubborn buggers. We set our mind to something. That's what we're going to do. There is a saying. That can always tell a Yorkshireman. But they can't tell him much. (laughs) And that's absolutely true. The second one. We are allegedly very careful with our money. Now it is true that we do think that the Scots are very spend spend a lot too their money a lot more. Yeah, way way too much than we do. We we really like to keep our money in our pockets, um, short arms, deep pockets. But there's the other side to that as well. We're also very loyal people. When we bring somebody in, when we accept somebody, we will give them the shirt off our back. We will support them. Then there's the other side of that. If you screw us over, we will hold the grudge for literally ever. There was a kid who borrowed money from me in 1978. I am still waiting on that. And then the third one. The third one is our sense of humor. The Yorkshire sense of humor, it's it's a little drier than the usual sense of humor. It's sometimes a little bit blacker sense of humor. And it's very in-your-face kind of factual. For example... Any time you would ask my father to put the kettle on, his response would always be, it won't fit me. (laughs) And then there's his father and mother, my grandparents. They were at a pub in Nafferton in East Yorkshire. It was owned by my granddad's sister. It was a cross keys. And my grandmother never drove her entire life. My grandfather drove 
My grandfather had probably imbibed a few more adult beverages than he should have done. They get in the car. My granddad puts it in reverse to get out of the car park. Backs up. There's a, a judder. He turns to my grandmother, Edith, and he says, Ed, get out and see what that were. She's like, all right. She opens the door, steps out. Splash! We're in the duck pond! He turns to her and says, I thought we were. <laughs> there are some really great people that have come from Yorkshire. Um, you, you have the novelist, the Bronte sisters. You have um, the playwright, Alan Bennett. You have all these actors, uh, Dame Judi Dench, Star Trek's uh, Patrick Stewart. You have Flash Gordon's Brian. Gordon's alive! Blessed. You have lots of sports folks as well. Uh, lots of soccer players, rugby players, cricket players. If Yorkshire had seceded at the last Olympics in Rio, we would have finished 17th in the medal table. We would have been above New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then, of course, there's me from Yorkshire as well. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about a story about me and how I kind of embody those Yorkshire traits. So let's take a trip back to the summer of 1990, when some of you may have been pumping up the jam and others of you may have been voguing. Personally, I had just finished my first year of college. I'd come back to my parents and I'd got a summer job at the local sausage factory. Not a euphemism. <laughs> My job at this sausage factory was to unbox 25-pound blocks of fat, put them on a conveyor belt, have them go through a metal scanner, then at the other end, pick them up and put them onto trays, where they would then go and be thrown into the mixers along with all the herbs and spices and maggots and whatever else. For some reason, I stopped eating sausages after I worked there for a day. So it was a great job. I mean, it was a summer job. The problem with it was it was swing shifts. So I would either work from 6 till 2 or 2 till 10. Now, where my parents live, there's two train stations that are about a mile apart, a mile away from the house. And there's a train station that's about half a mile from the work the 2 to 10 shift, that was great. The last train out left at like 11.15 at night. The problem was the mornings. To get there, the first train got in at 6.15. There was no way I could do it. My father, without much complaining or moaning, very nicely offered to take me in on those 6 o'clock trips. He'd get up early, drive me there, it was only like four and a half miles, and then he'd drive back home, go to bed, and then get up about an hour later and go to actual work. That was great. Up until that one week when my parents decided to go for a, dirty, uh, for a holiday to Chandidno uh, in Wales. And it happened to be a week that I was doing mornings. So what to do? How would I get there? I could have walked, I suppose. But my father said, no. I've gone into the shed and I've brought your old bike out. I hadn't ridden it since I was about 15. 
I'd been a late bloomer. Um, I got to this height at about the age of 17. At about the age of 15, I was about that high. So the bite wasn't really set right for me. The problem was, with about three and a half years of not being used and sitting in a shed, it had rusted. So the seat was up a little bit, but it wouldn't move. The handlebars were rusted, wouldn't move. My father said, I know what will fix that. And he brought out the WD-40. And he sprayed that WD-40 onto the seat joint. He sprayed it onto the handlebars. He was like, we'll give it a minute. We waited a minute. Then he's like, right, let's turn this seat. Nothing. No movement whatsoever. Then he goes to the handlebars, puts the wheel between his legs, and nothing's happening. He's like, don't worry about it. This WD-40, it's good stuff. It'll work. He sprays half a can on the seat and half a can on the handlebars. And we wait for about half an hour. Again, no movement. They just sit there. He said, well, can you ride it like this? Otherwise, you might have to get a taxi. And being from Yorkshire and cheap, I'm like, oh, I can ride it like that. Don't worry about it. So I rode it around. It was, it was all right. I could just about do it. So that Sunday, they went off to Wales. On the Monday morning, I get up, 5.20, I'm downstairs, I'm all ready. I've got the bike out. Now, my parents live in a valley, the Glossetdale Valley. So they're not at the bottom of the valley. They're about a little bit up. But, so the first bit is downhill, which was really nice. I got on the bike, and I coasted. You know, I didn't have to pedal. It just picked up momentum all by itself, just straight down that hill. And I get to the bottom of Hadfield Road. Now it's Mottram Moor. Now, Mottram Moor is a 1 in 13 hill. For every 13 feet you go forward, it goes up one, which doesn't sound that steep. However, half of it is fairly flat, so most of the rise is in the last bit. I had never in my life ridden up Mottramoor on a bike. I'd never had a need to, but I set my mind to it. Yorkshire stubbornness. I said, I'm getting up that bloody thing. I'm going to do it. So I started biking, and I'm pedaling, and I'm pedaling. I'm doing all right. I get to halfway up to the traffic lights. Now it's the steep bit. I'm like, okay, I can do this. I start pedaling. I'm building up momentum. I'm going, I'm going. Time to turn the gear down. Time to turn the gear down. I'm halfway up. I'm in first. I've no choice. I've just got to keep going. So I'm, I'm going slowly and slowly. But I'm not getting off that bloody thing. I am making it to the top. And I'm almost there. I'm just to the... And there's traffic lights just near the top. And the light goes red. And my thought, I can get a respite. I can take a break here. Because I've been huffing and puffing. But I've been going. I've been getting there. And I pull up to that light. And as I pull up to that light, the seat goes down. The handlebars come out. And the bike, the bike collapses underneath me. The entire back wheel bent in half. And thankfully the light was red, so when I fell in traffic it was all stopped. So I took that bike and I threw it the next two miles till I got to work. And I did get there at six o'clock. And then I threw it all the way to the train at two o'clock. And I came home. The rest of the week 
I took the taxi. Saturday, my parents come back. And I, they asked me, how did it go? And I, so I, I tell them the story. My ever-sympathetic mother, to this day, is still laughing about it. <laughs> my father, with typical Yorkshire wit, just turned to me and said, told you that WD-40 were good stuff. <laughs> Thanks. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.